Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Twyla After Show podcast. I'm Neil Malasa. With me is Twyla producer Carl Wiggers, Avery Davidson co-host, and Kristen Oaks-White co-host. Up. In the same room together. In the same room together. And uh, many of us are in some stage of vaccination. I won't violate any HIPAA rules by pointing out who, but I can say I'm getting my next shot a week from a week in a week. To make you feel better, mm-hmm. I know that your um, your stepfather is a, ho- a hospital administrator or Was retired. retired yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you cannot violate HIPAA rules. Because you're not a healthcare worker. You're well, not a healthcare worker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's you could still, violate someone's still, privacy. Yeah, it's, it's just good, uh, you could violate just good personal, personal decorum. Yeah. We'll just say that we have enough vaccinations in this room for mm. two people to be fully vaccinated. Hey, that's great. <laughs> um, and it is good. And I hope you guys are out there getting yours and uh, we're moving towards a safer, more normal uh, circumstance. But this week we do have a normal kind of show, um, some good stuff in here. One thing I'm excited about is uh, Carl's story. We had talked about that beforehand about, you know, wouldn't it be great to see what people do with crawfish recipes and their own personal taste? on it and that's uh that's what you looked into this week carl you know uh i've lived in south louisiana now for i don't know when when i came here when i came here five years five years ish Mm -hmm. yeah um and i've yet to boil my own pot of crawfish now my wife is allergic so there's that reason but her dad also pretty much handles that but i was i got to thinking i was like if i was you know somebody challenged me and said hey i need you to boil some crawfish today I would have no idea where to start other than YouTube or Google or whatever else I could find. So it's like, wait, I have a pretty good resource at my disposal, a.k.a. Louisiana farmers and pretty much every other person in South Louisiana. I can go ask. So I did that. And so I went and found Alan McLean, and he kind of walked me through all the steps. And it was a it was a nice – it was a tough day on the job, I'll say that. I know, <laughs> Neil, you've done some tough yeah, days here lately. Yeah, I, I did, yeah. Distilleries and breweries and whatnot, but – this was a it was a tough day for me, you know, to make this happen. And you know, it's kind of cool. He was in your ag leadership class as well, so it's uh, reconnecting with a a guy who you were close to for a couple of years. Right. It was nice to kind of catch up with him, and uh, you know, I, I I had forgotten. You know, I've been to his house a few times over the last few years for different ag leadership things or to do crawfish stories and whatnot. And he's been building a house every time I've been there until. This time, and I pulled up, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you finished the house! Oh, wow!" So, anyways, it was kind of it was nice to be there and kind of just get to hang out with a buddy. Also, that's that's what you're getting at, and it was some mm-hmm. of that for sure happening. What did you learn? I learned boiling crawfish is a lot simpler than I had always thought. You know, there's in in the the world of Cajun cooks, there's there's you know everybody's an expert in some way um, when it comes to their their method, their uh, special ingredients, or spe- but it, we don't you really don't need all that. Mm-mm. And I was like, I was like, okay. So I text Alan, just expecting to get this long grocery list. Like, hey, what do I need to grab on my way out? What you got? Yeah, he even texted me saying, hey, can I get the supplies for a crawfish boil? And meanwhile, I know he means you know the potatoes, the onions, the lemons, those sorts of things. But in my mind, I'm saying. Dude, I am not buying you a pot and a burner. I did. Okay, send, I did send a picture of, of the fanciest one I could find on uh, Academy Sports. But no, just basic supplies. You know, the vegetables. The uh, but what Alan sent me was two jars of red pepper, two jars of salt, and some lemons. 
And I was like, what else? <laughs> he was like, that's all you need. I was like, oh. So that's one thing I learned, Neil, is that it's a lot simpler, uh, you know, than, than what I'd always thought. So that was kind of cool. Um, lemons, he, he made a joke in my story about me being from North Louisiana and liking lemons in my sweet tea, so I probably want a lot of lemon. <laughs> I was about to say, I could see this being a series. Yeah, Hill Jack it, versus Cajun Country Cooks. Yeah. It, it, me and Neil have actually had that discussion before about, you know, doing this with any, you know, Cajun recipe. Rice Cajun, and gravy. Yeah, I mean, and you could mm-hmm. do it also in the north with, you know, some some probably other dishes. So it could be a series, maybe. I don't know. But. The, the simplicity behind it, though, belies a lot of controversy and argument and conversation about mm-hmm. how to do things and whatnot. And, of course, one of the most universally reviled things from Cajuns is <laughs> putting the seasoning on after you boil them. They people hate that. In in that's that's at least agreed on. And but nevertheless, I've seen that in some restaurants. Yeah, that's that's one thing that we you take care of in the water before you put anything in. The mm-hmm. water is seasoned. Yep. We had a guy that came to cook for us at our house on Saturday. He boils in two pots. He boils in straight water first, then puts them in to the pot and finishes them off with the seasoning in there. Okay. And they were maybe because I haven't had any in so long. Those were some of the best ones that I've had. Interesting. In a long time. Everybody's got that. You know, purging is, you know, another big thing. In fact, the LSU Ag Center did a study on that and determined, you know, it it is better, but it makes very little difference one way or the other. And you don't need salt water for the purge as well. That's the other thing they found was if you just leave them in an ice chest full of water overnight Mm -hmm. and then drain it and rinse them out, it... It purges them just the same as if you had put salt water in there. Which my wife is a big believer in. She likes them purged because mm-hmm. it's not so much the idea of it, but it's the grittiness, you know, yeah. that can really change the the texture of them. Well, one thing also that uh, we were fortunate, Alan's shop is right there next to the house where, you know, they bring in from the boats, they weigh their sacks of crawfish, and they have a sorting uh, machine where they clean and sort all their crawfish right there. Hmm in his backyard essentially so we got nice clean mm-hmm. crawfish and put them straight into the pot so it was nice we didn't have to we kind of skipped that step we talk about it in the story but we skipped that step uh which was one of those things i was always thought there was a lot of you know like very meticulous rhyme and reason to like exactly how you rinse he's like no just rinse them in, a, in an ice chest until the mm-hmm. water coming out's clear and i was like yeah oh, mm-hmm. oh okay that's pretty simple then but um Oh my! My dad would just do it straight in the sack. We we put the sack up against the barbecue pit, mm-hmm. hit them with the hose until mm-hmm. the water's running clear, and then throw that into the the mesh uh, basket that we had. And then uh, he, my dad did use crab boil in his. Mm-hmm. He would use about a half a bottle of crab boil, some cayenne and some salt and some lemons, mm-hmm. and that was that was it. Yeah, Kristen uh, likes the crab likes the crab boil, right? That's what you. I did. So this is the strangest thing. I know that people, most people like to mix up the, like the. The mayonnaise uh, and the ketchup. Yeah, like the. Hot sauce. All I can think of is roux sauce, but it's not. uh, Raising Cane's sauce basically is what it is, right? Yeah, Uh, close to. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not a mayonnaise fan, but I do the strangest thing and it makes Landon so aggravated when we go to a restaurant and order crawfish. He gets so embarrassed and I don't know why, because I ask if I can have a cup of the juice from the boil from the pot and they look at you like you're crazy but i like to dip it i like them that Mm -hmm. extra salt so when we brought it home one time i tried getting i took crab boil 
a pack of crab boil and mixed it with water and boiled it. It was it was potent. A little bit too much. And bit, see, that's that's interesting because Dave Langley, the old producer of Twyla, taught uh-huh. me how to boil crawfish, which we always joked about. Did y'all film it? No, this was years and years ago. But uh, before we, film, we always joked about because he was an Arkansas redneck who taught a Cajun boy how to boil crawfish. Uh-huh. It was really funny. But that's what he would do. His secret was he would boil sack after sack in the same water, and they would continually add, so it would be spicier and spicier as the time See, went like on. That. And and so uh, it was, you know, those last like. He would he would sometimes do like five batches, and that fifth one was. Wow. <laughs> so, I don't think I've ever had a batch that was too salty. Yeah, or my spicy. father-in-law does that. Yeah, like I mean, he starts with the first batch, and by the third or so, it's right? They're potent. Usually, yeah, they're pretty, yeah. pretty stout. And one I thing, like, I like it when they coat. Some people coat them on the outside, and I know a lot of people don't like that. Yeah, that's like, the, that's the cardinal sin that uh, Neil was talking about. I like as long as they're not bland or. Strong. Well, and and I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you boil them in the seasoning too. I mean, yeah. you as long can, as that's if, not if the you only like seasoning they're getting, additional seasoning that's fine. But yeah. if it's the only stuff, it makes the the inner inside of the crawfish bland. We right? need to have and, uh, a crawfish boil off with some. Hmm. Yeah, that's well, a that really would be good a good idea. idea. One iteration of this that Neil and I discussed when we, when I brought it up to him, I was like, "Hey, what do you think about this idea?" And he was like, "That's great. What would be really fun would be to get a few." Uh, a few Cajun yeah. folks that have very strong opinions about the way, to, the right way mm-hmm. to boil crawfish. Get, so them, get them some liquid uh, accelerant, <laughs> and uh, and then and some North Louisiana ones who think that they're great at it. That would be fun too, but that would be I feel like unfair. I just think we need to have a taste off. But it would be and fun. I will volunteer to be a judge. You want to? Oh, that's all you want to do is just. I want to. Yeah, I don't want to too. take part in it. I, I, I see this as being be like. Iron Chef Crawfish. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could yes. do this. I'm, yes. I'm up for it. May I cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> but Neil had the idea, and he's like, man, we if we could find out what each of these individuals already kind of know, like if we knew already kind of the backstory of like what their thing is and could kind of like egg it on and stuff, it'd be really fun, but I don't know if it would take much much of that but I, I don't think we'd have a shortage of volunteers willing to, that to would do be that fun. that just, would be fun we need more people mm-hmm. to be vaccinated and for more restrictions to be lifted before it's we can coming. do that yeah. the the one thing i do want to point out of course is our friends at the louisiana crawfish research and promotion board remind us to ask before we eat and that is because we um it is important to do that and i'll, I'll tell you a little quick story which is i had a out-of-town guest come in and um we did a crawfish boil for him and by that i mean i called bill pizzolato at tony's and said can i get some select crawfish and so i, I picked up a bunch for him and he's from texas north texas he was blown away by the size and quality of them now of course they were select but Tony's buys all of theirs directly from crawfish producers themselves, and it's really important. It makes a huge difference, and it is when you compare them to the Chinese crawfish, it's it's night and day difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I asked Alan about that. I said, hey, you're, you have a pretty good supply, being that you have your own crawfish ponds, but how important? He said, man, you get a crawfish in Louisiana, it's going to be a good crawfish. Yeah. As far as, like, that was raised in Louisiana, he said, mm-hmm. My, I'm just gonna be honest. My crawfish aren't gonna be any better than my neighbor's crawfish or the mm-hmm. neighbors from there. I mean, we can compete with out of state, out of country crawfish for obvious reasons, freshness being the main thing. But he's like, I mean, you just get some good Louisiana crawfish, you're not gonna go wrong. He didn't say Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He said it in his own Cajun drawl. But he said Louisiana is what he said. <laughs> 
Well, you know, when we the only comparable we've ever seen were the ones in Spain, Mm -hmm. and those came from Louisiana originally. And the way they prepare them, uh, Avery and I got real snobby about it, to be frank with you. When you add dill to crawfish, and we were like, really? Really? (laughs) Dill? Is that? And the, the way they have to catch them there is because all water is public. So even if you're, it may be your, your private land. land, you flood it, now the water's public. Anybody can come and catch the crawfish. So nobody farms the crawfish there. They catch them all in these hoop nets. Hmm. Interesting. But we're going on way deep tangents here. Way deep here. tangent. One thing I'll, I'll say that I, I really liked about the way Alan did his uh, crawfish, he showed me how, like, the steps as far as steps went. He did his vegetables first and mm-hmm. potatoes and corn first. Whoops. And then, uh, but he did that so that anyone that's at your boil that maybe can't have crawfish for an allergy, like my wife, mm-hmm. can enjoy that before it's tainted yeah. by the crawfish. That's important. I was like, ah, oh, that's a pretty good idea. And he didn't, he didn't at the time even realize that my wife had a seafood allergy or couldn't eat crawfish. So it worked out perfect for me. So. She may grow out of it. My wife I'm, did. Dude, we were praying for it because she, she didn't like really get mm-hmm. this allergy until she was probably a teenager or young mm-hmm. teenager mm-hmm. and she like that was her favorite like crawfish etouffee and mm-hmm. anything crawfish she loved and now she can't have it so she's tortured every time we have it yeah mm. but my wife was deathly allergic to all shellfish and over the years she just grew out of it completely and now it's one of her favorite things ever avery grew out of it yep. yeah I, when i was in california i decided well i'll go ahead and eat some shrimp and i didn't die because mm-hmm. uh, in my 20s i ate some shrimp and uh my you died no okay, my, <laughs> but my my throat started to itch and swell and yeah, at that point i was like a logical question it is <laughs> But uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to lay off of it. And I'd try every now and then just a little bit. And nope. nope. Were you also allergic to oysters? Um, I never really ate oysters. So not until I did the story. So the uh, the raw oysters, the last and probably actually the first and last raw oysters I had were when I went and I did the story about the Jolie Jolie Pearl oysters. Mm -hmm. Just here in the last couple of years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm and not really a big oyster fan, so I like anything Whoops. when it's fresh. Because I don't, I don't eat pineapple, but I loved pineapple when I was at Dole Jeez. Plantation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I wouldn't know the uh, fresh know does like. make a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of fresh, I've got a fresh story that that's a bad segue. That bad was a horrible segue. segue. Speaking, yeah, of... it's actually so fresh. He did it 20 years ago. Right, <laughs> 20 years ago, I interviewed uh, Wanda Metz Chase, who is the uh, owner and, and running Imahara's Landscaping. And her family um, has a long history in the United States starting at the turn of the 20th century, from the 19th to the 20th century. And they are now in their third, fourth generation of landscaping here. They had a place in St. Francisville, their own little garden, and they shut it down in 2018. But they opened a new one at Hemingbow in St. Francisville. Hemingbow is a, um, a private garden, and they've done this little stroll garden on the side. Imahara's, um, uh, has they were allowed to make this little garden their own. And so they brought many of the elements from their family property there. And one of the things uh, that I found really interesting was they have a stone there that is a family monument. Walt Imahara is the current 
uh, owner of the, or he's the guy creating this garden. His great great grandfather had a son who died in a war in China in the 1800s, and so he created this family monument to all Imaharas who have passed on and would pass on, and it they placed it in Hiroshima, Japan. It survived the atomic blast in 45, but there were no then all of the the Imaharas had moved, had emigrated out, either left Hiroshima or had moved to the United States. And so they were considering destroying this monument because nobody was coming to pay homage to it. So the family talked to the Buddhist temple who ran it and petitioned to bring it over. And so they brought it over in 2015 into that other place. And now in 2018, they moved it to this new new place there. So it is a, a relic there. It faces west towards Japan. And now for future generations, they'll be able to pay homage there. That's really cool. I saw the picture on Facebook that you had mm -hmm. posted uh, to promote the story. I didn't know it was anything like that. That's really cool to hear that backstory. Yeah, it's a really deep uh, family history, and you can see it in there. And I'm going to show one of the things I want to show is I did a story on the gardens in Japan last year. Mm -hmm. There are touches and elements that you can see directly from that there, and it's it's common and universal to many of the Japanese gardens throughout Japan. But it's uh, it's one of those really neat connections there. And and Walt likes to call himself. A Japanese American, and this is a Japanese American garden. It has elements of both. So they have signs up there that are the Imahara, you know, sign with the kanji, the the written language up there of Japan. But it's also got horseshoes, and they're turned up to catch all mm. the luck, just like the American tradition. So it's a a combination of of the East and the West there. What was it like for you going and visiting again? You know, after doing a story twenty years Wait, ago. Wait, before you ask this, you did a story on this twenty years ago. I did a story on Imaharas, okay. and so uh, they they have a landscaping business, and so I did a story not on this property, but on their way of doing things. And that time they had, you know, been um, uh, putting together all of these different little. Asiatic touches throughout some of their their gardens. One of the things, for instance, is uh, my grandfather grew bonsai, so I knew a lot of this stuff, and that was my connection, and I wanted to do this. One of the things they they do is odd numbers are a very common theme in there, and the reason is is because they're human beings touching nature, and so the odd number is an imperfection. It doesn't. It lacks symmetry because you can't put you know, the same number on each side. So as such, it's it's a very, it expresses humility that they're not trying to outdo nature, but they're trying to present nature, their own imperfections in this beautiful, perfect form that is whatever nature decides to grow. And so that's their, you know, that's one of the things that you see. And that's one of the things that we touched on and that you can see throughout, you know, landscape. I mean, of course, Imaharas will design a garden for you depending on what your tastes are and, and have, you know, you can have completely European or, or whatever touches you'd like, but uh, uh, you can see it in the quality of what they do, and it's just gorgeous. So, you, what you was it like? <laughs> yeah, what was it like going back and and talking to them and and seeing this after twenty years of doing the first story, and then mm -hmm. just recently going to Japan again and doing a story on gardens there? 
Well, uh, it, it it's starting to feel like home in a lot of ways. Um, but one thing that was sad, and I, we mentioned this in the in the show, is that um, I was going to get Wanda to come back and and talk to her, you know, show her after twenty years. Unfortunately, the day before we were supposed to do uh, the story, her father passed away, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, it was just too raw for her. And I, I I totally understand, and of course we offer our condolences to her and and their family. But um, Walt was still you know there and able to to do it. And so um, one of the things that I really liked was you'll see. I don't talk about it in the story, but you'll see it. There's a gate. They have three toddy gates there, um, just like the one in on Avery Island mm-hmm. that you're familiar with, and one of the ones has a rope that looks that's continuously tied so you can't see where it begins and where it ends and the reason they put it there was there's a place in japan called ishinomaki which has two very large stones and in the festival every year they tie them together and they represent a husband and a wife and so they're connected so that's what they did for for this garden wow and so you know those cultural touches those really deep little things are just there and i guess what i really like and appreciate it is that when you go and you look for small details, there's always more there to be found. So I, I really enjoyed having uh, that experience, and um, uh, it, it's really fascinating to see because it's very true to life in many ways to the Japanese aesthetic. Is that what your garden? Is that what your yard is? Your your inspiration for your yard is? It's my grandfather. Yeah, it's sort of. I mean, uh, we do you know all kinds of stuff, and of course you have to adapt your gardens to the landscape. But a lot of things, like we just planted a Japanese maple, and uh, my grandfather just adored them grow- growing up. So that's what we had there. And I can talk for hours about Hemingbow. I love that place. Yeah, Our special you have a special there? connection. Yeah, there, yeah, you know, might have gotten married there, uh, but uh, you know. That was, that was what, eleven going on, twelve years ago. Yeah, it'll be twelve years. Uh, she kept you that long. I know she hadn't killed me yet. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, the the great thing is is that you should go and see because the garden that you see there is just part of what they're going to do. They're slowly working their way around the property, cleaning out a lot of the brush and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and leave. they've left the birch trees there. And so you're getting a better and better view of the lake that surrounds it. And the great thing is it's uh, open to the public and it's free. So mm-hmm. anybody can go there and do it. If you want to get married like Avery is, there's a, you know, you have to... Yeah. There's a rental fee there. There was a wedding being set up that day when I was there, so yeah. I immediately, you know, thought of you. But um, uh, put wedding in front of it ain't nothing free. No. <laughs> no. Well, but it was actually, to, it was wasn't as expensive as you'd think. And the catering they do. Well, mm-hmm. this is Miss Ida, God rest her soul, beautiful, beautiful woman. She was our caterer for it, and just did an amazing job. The food was absolutely amazing. But uh, she passed a few years ago from cancer it, it, it took her and uh i didn't mean to bring us down let's not let's get back up let's... i know but the point being that it's it's a great place for for a wedding and they have really good people there beautiful scenery it's just a great place just to go if you want to take a stroll through those gardens and the whole property there's some really beautiful european gardens there the water the geese the birds and nature it's just it's wonderful and so um i'd really like to uh you know uh, go back there and bring Sherry and, and go back there soon. Make a date out of it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk uh, briefly about the boost this week. Um, Kristen, what do we... What did we boost this week? What did we boost? 
Well, as you may or may not know, it is National Ag Week. Mm-hmm. Yesterday was National Ag Day. As proclaimed by the President by the of the United President. States. Yes, yes, yes. And this week, every Farm Bureau, it's Farm popular. <laughs> organization, yes, has a lot of people online have been promoting using videos and photos and inspirational things to lift up farmers and ranchers. But Carl sent me perhaps one of the best ones that I saw, and I even looked at other media um, outlets from other state farm bureaus. This was one of the best ones that I saw from a parish farm bureau, Vermillion Parish, and I don't know who is responsible for organizing it or putting it together. Probably somebody and their wife and our. I, I, would, I would guess so. I, I just happened to see it because I was with Alan that day, mm-hmm. uh, Monday, I think is when they posted it, Monday evening. Mm-hmm. And I was with Alan that day, and I just happened to see it later on that afternoon when I got home that uh, that night. And I was like, dang, that's pretty good. It's really well done, yeah. So, it was really well done. Vermilion Parish is a very active farm bureau. Mm-hmm. They're, they're ag in the classroom. They're young farmers and ranchers. They really have it going on there, and they have a very a good young, organization. Yeah, a very strong young farmer rancher organization. I think they're vying for the president's trophy, and yeah. I, I I encourage them to go for it because their their social media is just amazing. Well, They've hey, done an I, yeah, amazing I'll give them, job. I'd give them major bonus points for that because it was worthy enough. For it looked us like to use. it looked like a video you would you you would make, right? Yes, I, mean, I, I was like they're they're taking notes from. I mean, <laughs> all of they've been to convention. Yeah, all all of the. I mean, and a lot of farm videos mm-hmm. generally bow in the same direction. So, right. but I, I thought the quality of it was exceptional. Yeah, I liked all the different. They had different voices. They yes. sang a lot of lines that mattered hmm. to those voices. One thing I noticed about. Uh, just from my conversation with Alan and Aaron talking about their young farmers, I mean, they're they're not no longer in the young farmer program. They're in Vermilion Parish, but they're still involved with them and kind of as they aged out. They right? aged out, right? But they're still kind of involved in a in a an advisory type role, mm-hmm. like a few of those that kind of helped get the get that wife and R and that parish really going are still kind of in that role. And he was talking about. He said there is literally every commodity grown and like in Vermilion Parish is represented in their wife and R in Vermilion Parish, which I thought was kind of cool from crab, because I forget they go all the way to the Gulf, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. crab and shrimp all the way up to rice and sugar cane mm-hmm. and everything in between. I was just like, that's that's They have pretty... a lot of cattle in Vermilion Parish too. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially it, towards the Gulf. Yeah. It, it was just, a, it was kind of cool. And, and so we had that conversation and then I got home that evening and saw that video and I was just like, wow, that's, is represented right there in the video, so it was cool. I thought it was perfect. I I didn't send it to you as if it needs to be the boost. I just no, I I didn't. Well, I figured that you were sending it to me as watch, watch this. Yeah, well, usually if I send the video, it's because I want somebody to watch. Right. No, I don't watch anything you send. I know you don't. Yeah, I I sort through what you send me. So I think am I becoming that that guy? A little, the, bit. The, little bit. Little bit. No, it's that's okay. No one. No one. It's okay. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Landon, Landon calls it force watching names. videos. Force. He said, "Are you force watching me a video?" And I said, "Carl uh, force watches me videos all the time." I, I, I do. I'm pretty bad about it. I made Avery and Neil. For, I force watched some Ted Lasso yesterday. <laughs> That's good stuff. But getting back on track, the YFNR uh, there in Vermilion Parish, I mean, the great thing about those videos is Farm Bureau is a grassroots organization. So when we see people doing that stuff and they're building it up on their own, I mean, that's 
we're more than happy to do these videos, more than happy to tell you the story every week, and I think there's a need for it. But when farmers and ranchers tell their own story, they tell it better than we do because right. they know it right there on the ground. Yeah, and so it's always it. great, great to see that stuff. Uh, I want to say real quick, last year, as soon as we got home from Japan and Thailand, which it's crazy that that was just a year ago, but I came home and they had a they had an event like the next week, the party at the Big Red Barn mm-hmm. before everything got shut down for COVID. It was a huge fundraiser, very successful for some of their local and our state scholarships through Farm Bureau. But they're doing it again. So while we're talking about Vermilion Parish and Vermilion Wife Nart, let's, let's give them some some uh, promotion here. So party at the Big Red Barn, party at the Red Barn, Saturday, May 8th. May 8th. I knew it was in May. It'll be a There'll be a DJ. There'll be a cash bar, jambalaya, Kushan delay. Alligator sauce because well, like, Koshan delay. Yeah. Jambalaya, Koshan delay. Whatever. I'm a redneck from North Louisiana. I was just learning how to cook crawfish, boil crawfish. Leave me alone. <laughs> that other word also has a meaning. Right. Yeah. I did know that. We'll edit that out. Uh, leave it in. Anyway. Okay, we're going to leave it in. Whatever. Anyways, you know what that means. I was not trying to say that. Although now that I'm. We'll, we'll give you a Franklin are. Parish pass. Here we on are. That. Anyways, check out the party at the Big Red Barn. And uh, support their local Farm Bureau and all the scholarships that they're supporting in that. He's quite red. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking, I I'm looking red. at how feel, red he is right now. I feel now. real you, red yeah. right now. You match your neck. <laughs> <laughs> Bless it. Wow. Anyways. Can we possibly move on from this? We also have a great goat piece from Jennifer Finley. She is out. She's still recovering from a... Um, uh, operation on her knee and so she's as she goes through physical therapy there we wish her the best of luck with that and hopefully we'll have her back on the podcast here soon quick teaser on that it's uh farmer, a lot of cute baby goats a lot of cute baby goats jennifer milks a baby goat not a baby goat a mama no, you goat. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and they they don't show the process of making soap but the farmer makes soap from goat milk and mm-hmm. the soap looks amazing. It, I'll, I'll, really I'm going to have to go out and buy some. People who use it swear by it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love nice, mm. good, fragrant, you creamy would. soap. You yeah. would. A lot of other good stuff on the show, but we are running out of time for this podcast. I want to thank Kristen Oaks-White, Avery Davidson, and Carl Wiggers for all of your hard work on the show each and every week. Thank you for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time. Right, Kristen? Bye. If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play, and let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them, let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twilight After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 